Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 27th, and our chapter for today is Hebrews chapter 2. Now, this is the first of five different admonitions, words of instruction, words of caution, and even words of warning to these Hebrew believers. It was very important that they understood that they were being sluggish, and word evidently had gotten back to the Apostle Paul, who I believe is the one who dictated this letter to Luke, that these Hebrew Christians that were in the midst of the Judaizers were beginning to get slack, were beginning to be slovenish in their walk with the Lord Jesus, and they were neglecting the things that lead to a life of fellowship and usefulness with God. You see, a person can be saved and walk through this life almost as a cripple, someone who is not tending to the business of walking with God. You see, the Lord gives us all we need to walk with Him, but it is our responsibility to humble ourselves, to discipline ourselves, and over and over again, for example, the word humble, when it is commanded of believers, it is inevitably in the middle voice. Now, the middle voice is not easy to translate in our English. It's reflexive, whereas the active voice in the Greek text is the voice in which the subject is doing the acting. The passive, we know very well, that is the subject is being acted upon. But the middle voice is reflexive. I call it the voice of personal responsibility. It is you yourself, me myself, he himself, she herself. All of this is the way that you translate the middle voice in most instances. It puts the responsibility square on the shoulders of those to whom God is speaking. We are to humble ourselves. That doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves. It means that we think of ourselves less. And over and over again, we are called upon to be disciplined, to discipline ourselves. The Holy Spirit within us enables us to walk with God. But it's our choice as to whether we receive that enablement and put it into practice. And so the Apostle Paul, after he has introduced the recipients to the Lord and what he is and who he is, he says, therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, that is, that it stood the test of time, and every transgression of the disobedient received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? 
God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. Again, this is the first of five warnings that are given in the book of Hebrews. The first one is here. 2, 1 through 4. The second admonition is in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, 16. The third is in chapter 5, verse 11, where he's talking about the priesthood through 6, 20. And then the fourth is Hebrews 10, 19 through 39, those 10 or 11 verses there. And then the last in chapter 12, verses 1 through 29, that most people are familiar with. The other, not so much, because Hebrews is not where many people do their devotional reading, because it is a difficult book to understand if you don't know something of the Old Testament and the sacrificial system, especially the book of Leviticus. And so he is instructing, he is admonishing, he is exhorting these Hebrew believers, that they do not turn back to what they had been raised up in and had been accustomed to. You see, it is so easy for us to slip back into an old way of thinking, an old lifestyle, an old language. It's not hard. It's easy because, you see, our flesh is prone to love that life. And it's only the Spirit of God regenerating us, giving us His power, His enabling, that allows us to appropriate that and live out a life of obedience. So he said, therefore, on the basis of the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the ultimate revelation of God, chapter 1, Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest we drift away. Now, you know what you have to do to drift? Let me tell you, nothing. If you're out on the ocean, all you have to do is stop paddling. All you have to do is turn off the engine and you're going to drift. I have experienced that more than once. And if you're anywhere on any body of water that has any current whatsoever, You're going to go with the current. You're going to go with the flow unless you make a concerted effort to make progress in the way that you need to go. So you don't have to do anything to drift away from God unless you are constantly walking forward and making progress. You're going to slip back. I often say to people when I am teaching or preaching that there is a tendency in our lives to coast, that is to let off the gas and just kind of let things coast. Well, let me just tell you, you don't go to the next level, and I don't think anybody wants to go to the lower level. You want to go on to the higher level. You want to press on to a high upward calling in Christ Jesus, and you don't get there by letting off the gas. You don't get there by stopping because the moment you turn that engine off, the moment you go into neutral, you're going to coast, and the only way you can coast is downhill. You don't coast uphill. I've often said there is no elevator to the top floor. You have to take the stairs. You have to step it out because that's the way that God has designed it. I can tell you from one who has sought to live his life, I've sought to live my life by going the extra mile. And there are no traffic jams on the extra mile. 
It is smooth sailing. That means when you go and do what God wants you to do, there's not a lot of the crowd that's there. No, they're back on the coasting downhill. Because you see, unless we make a concerted effort to do what God wants us to do, we're going to coast, we're going to drift. And he said, you need to be very careful. You need to be earnest in what you're doing. You need to have intentionality in what you're doing. Just understand this is God's will for our lives, that we get into the Word. We discipline ourselves to study the Word, not just read it. Reading, it's one wonderful, but you need to study it. You need to compare scripture with scripture. You need to read great men and women of God who have down through the years already fought the battle and they can turn around and take you by the hand and walk you through some of these pitfalls that are out there, these pits, these holes, uh, these potholes that tend to get us knocked off course. And here's what he said in verse two. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. In other words, when the angels did not do what they were supposed to do, even the angels who are a high order in the rankings of God, in the creation of God, that see his face, that serve him, when they transgressed, they paid the penalty. And so he said, if that is true of angels, which is this high order above men that have power that men do not have, let me just tell you, the natural man is subject to demonic takeover. And when a person who is even saved, when they are dabbling in things that they shouldn't, then what they do is they give a gateway to demons to come into their lives and to hassle them and, if need be, control them. They cannot own them and possess them. Of course, the Lord Jesus owns us if we belong to him. He cannot possess us, but the effect is that the demons can control our lives if we allow them to. Now, that's somewhat of a controversial statement for the child of God, but let me just tell you, the three great enemies that are laid out in the scripture is the world, the flesh, and the devil, that is, his demons. Can worldly thinking dominate a believer? Yes. Can the flesh dominate a believer? Yes. Can demons dominate a believer? Yes. And all we have to do is just walk in the way that they walk, and right there we are. And so he said, you need to be careful. How shall we escape? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord himself, by Jesus? It was confirmed by those who heard him. God also bearing witness In other words, with signs and wonders, he validated the work of Jesus, that indeed he was the Messiah. He validated the truth of the gospel and the words. The apostle Paul said, you are proof of the power. You are a demonstration of the power of God to change a life. He said that to the Corinthians. He said that to the Philippians. He said that to the Colossians. Why? Because God is the one that completely transforms a person. And so it's been confirmed by the Lord Jesus, by the miraculous works of the apostles. And God has borne witness 
with us inside our very beings that he is able to do what needs to be done and he can give us the power and enablement to be disciplined in our walk with God. And so he goes on to talk about how Jesus came in the flesh. He was a partaker of humanity so that he could redeem humanity, so that he could die. That was what Satan had held over, the enemy had held over the human race ever since Adam sinned before God. But Jesus came and he abolished death and the power of death once and for all. He destroyed it and he showed that death could not hold the child of God. It could not hold the Lord Jesus. It cannot hold us. Death is not the end for the child of God. We are going to be victorious even over death. And this is why the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, he quoted what Isaiah had said, Oh, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. If indeed we die before the Lord Jesus comes, our bodies will go to sleep, yes, but we will never cease to exist the moment our eyes close in death. That is the moment we open our eyes in paradise in the presence of the Lord Jesus. There is no such thing as ceasing to exist for one second. And the same thing, by the way, is true for those who are without Christ. The moment they die, they are in eternal peril from that point on because the stage has been set. The die has been cast. And death is that which confirms the direction for eternity of those who are in Christ and those who are without Christ. And so the warning is God has made a way through Jesus. Jesus. He has destroyed death. He has taken away the bondage. He has set us free. And we are to live as free men, not in bondage. We are to live with intentionality. We are to live with discipline. We are to follow God. And if we do not, we will begin to drift. We will begin to coast. And we can only go downhill and go with the flow just like the rest of the world outside of the discipline and the determination to walk with God. We're on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.